Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, While I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. This is Dmitry Samarov from Chicago, Illinois. And I love listening to Vishkana's creative control because whether he's talking to a favorite musician or actor of mine or someone I've never heard of, it's as if he's introducing me to a new friend. And the way things are going, couldn't you use a new friend? Listen now. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. Ephraim Anuk is a multi-instrumentalist, producer, songwriter, engineer, singer, and artist based in Montreal, Quebec. A founding member and driving force behind the incredible and influential band Godspeed You Black Emperor, Manuk first employed the band name for a small run of 33 cassettes entitled All Lights Fucked on the Harry Amp Drooling, which consisted of recordings he mostly made on his own in 1993 and gave to a dozen friends in 1994, before eventually selling some to strangers, including interested parties who attended a show the burgeoning band played in Moncton, New Brunswick. Though designed as a final, solitary musical statement by Manuk, as Godspeed became a fully functioning enterprise that wrote and recorded monumental albums together for Constellation Records, a kind of mystique about this first and very rare Godspeed tape has been building for a couple of decades. 
On February 4th, 2022, someone, somewhere, finally uploaded a digitized version of All Lights Fucked on the Harry Amp Drooling to YouTube, which led to some debate about its authenticity, but also seemed to finally let people hear the earliest expression by Godspeed You Black Emperor. A couple days later, I got a message from Ephraim asking me to telephone him, and then we made a plan to have the conversation that you're about to hear, in which he provides curious fans with the full context about the history of this tape and its contents. To discuss the veracity of this YouTube upload and the weirdness of the internet, his own ideas about releasing this music officially, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network, with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control, with additional support from Blackbird Music, which is a wonderful record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, with very friendly staff who will help you fulfill all your music-loving needs, uh, which you can learn all about at their website, blackbird.ca. Plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 667 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Ephraim Manuk of Godspeed You Black Emperor with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hey, Ephraim, how's it going? I'm okay. How are you? I'm not bad. Thanks for asking. Uh, first of all, I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Where in the world are you today? Uh, I'm in my basement in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Yes, this is where you were. I feel like, didn't we just do this like a few months ago? Yeah, we did it a couple of months in the summer. Yeah, and everything. Summer, yeah. and everything's pretty much the same from my vantage point when I look into your basement dwelling. Is there anything new back there? Lots no, of there's gear? nothing new. Yeah, there's <laughs> nothing, nothing new. <laughs> everything's the same but worse right same here i will say well it's nice to have you back so the occasion for you coming back uh, so quickly is that there's something happened uh in the last couple of weeks i guess or last week i don't know whenever whatever it was i'd like you to maybe tell us what happened i don't want to try to characterize it what happened exactly ephraim oh okay so like it or not now officially this is the the release week for this uh, fucking Godspeed cassette that uh, I recorded almost 30 years ago. Um, so given that this is the release week, I thought I would sit down and talk about this cassette and uh, all the bullshit around it. And yeah, just, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just, yeah. just to provide some context, I guess, you know. So for those who don't know, just to clarify this, uh, you made, was this all you, by the way? I'm trying to remember. I know I have some research and history. We've talked about this thing and we've talked about your origin story. But is this cassette the earliest incarnation of Godspeed or is it primarily you? Can you distinguish between those things? It was me. Uh, Moro played based on one song. A guy named Dano from Moncton played some noodly guitar, um, acoustic guitar at some point. And my partner at the time, Danny, sings one of the songs. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it predated the band, you know? Yeah. So when the band started, I mean, I can get into all of the 
chronology. I know I've talked about it before, but no, no, and I th- yeah, it's fair. Yeah, basically, it was like I would, I was fed up with making music. I was working as a furniture mover, and I was going to university as a mature student, and I was broke, 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 and it seemed like I would be broke forever, and. It was a weird time for music, is what I remember, although people, I'm sure, will point out good records that weren't hip-hop that came out in 91, 92. Mm -hmm. There were a handful of them. There was some Drag City stuff. But the thing about that time is there were like a lot of gestures that didn't make sense anymore because post-grunge had sort of rendered all those gestures, you know, it just revealed that they were empty gestures, you know? So the idea of the, uh, the angry young man getting feelings off his chest and all that kind of shit, you know, and good riddance, right. You know, because I feel like before that, that's what, you know, unless you were blessed with a special voice, those were the avenues that were there for you was to scream, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. so that was all kind of dead. And I mean, it's funny to remember now, but at the time there was stuff like, you know, those first couple of Palace Brothers records or the second Slint record, Gaster Del Sol, stuff like that, where, or Life Like Weeds, or you know, where there were like, yeah. I, you know, men singing in fragile voices, you know? And that, even now, now I find that gesture is completely corrupted because, you know, you sort of got everyone, everyone sings in this kind of post Radiohead breathy, like a uh, date rapist voice, oh, you know what I mean? Oh, <laughs> Anyways, at the time, at the time that the gesture of singing fragilely was, it was new and cool, you know? Um, but other than that, everything felt kind of hollow and empty. And I was tired of playing music. And so just as this gesture, not a grand gesture as a private gesture, I was like, I'm going to s- spend half a year, working on this cassette and then I'll put it out and give it to friends and then I'll be done with it. You know, it was a, it was a small run as I recall. Like I think I wrote somewhere and maybe others have reported this. It was like 33 copies of this cassette. Cause that's, cause that's what I could afford. Right. You know, yeah. like literally I could have, I got my friend John to do like, you know, the, the insert in the cassette is, you know, like hand sewn and hand debossed and stuff like that. So that was like a little pricey. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it was a small run. And so basically I would go, there was a bar in Montreal at the time called the Miami, you know, and Friday or Saturday I would go to the Miami, hang out, have a good night or have a bad night, come home and then just sort of write a song quickly with whatever came to mind. And the next afternoon hung over, I would try to turn that into something. So that was the process, right? you know? Right. And then I had enough songs to fill this cassette and, you know, I got the sequence together, duped it, made the covers, gave it to friends and, you know, moved on mm-hmm. with my life. Kept moving furniture, kept going to school as a mature student, kept wondering why. Yeah. So, yeah, there's this thing. It's like it gets described as a demo tape. It was the opposite of a demo tape. It was, you know, it wasn't it wasn't trying to elicit elicit interest in a project. You know, it was like, yeah, a small, tiny gesture of, yeah, I don't know, defeat or something in some ways, you know. Well, again, you, you framed it as a farewell to music making, as I recall. Like this is your you say grand gesture, but it was a grand finale for you. Yeah, in some ways, and yet, uh, and you circulated it. So I, I mean, what 
I don't want to jump too far ahead, but how did you end up from I'm done, I've circulated 33 tapes, I'm finished with this now, I've gotten out, uh, gotten this out of my system to I'm going to start making music again. Like, did, Was there anything about that tape that w- turned out to be inspiring for you and energizing for you? Yeah, that's the thing. I didn't even give up 33. I didn't know 33 people, you know what I mean? So I gave up <laughs> sure. 12 of them, you know? And, uh, and you know, people liked it, which was, you know, like kind of validation. But still, you know, it was a, that was a rough year. And my friend, Mark Montanchez, had a band at the time. And he, he was like, oh, I really like this. You should, you should open for us. They were playing a show at Cheval Blanc. Right. The band and, was uh, the band was Stake seventy two, as I recall. Stake seventy two. That's it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so I was like, "Yeah, I'll do it." And then it took me about a week to realize that I didn't feel comfortable getting on stage and playing the, you know, just a dude with a guitar or whatever, you know. So Moya had just moved to town. So I've known Moya and Moro since I was fifteen. You know. So I asked moya and more like okay let's use the band name but let's come up with something new you know yeah and in in the two weeks that we had to get ready for the show we ended up writing these things that ended up they they were the beginnings of what became songs on the first godspeed record right you know right and we played the show and it was like it seemed to go good and then because of Dano from Moncton, we went to Moncton, played this used clothing store, and that's where I sold the last of the cassettes, you know? Oh, I see. So I know there were a bunch of them that ended up in Moncton, okay. you know? Okay. And those are the only cassettes that, you know, that ended up in strangers' hands, right. you know? Right. Like the, not in, uh, in friends' hands. And then, yeah, everything kind of went from there, like kind of quickly, we ended up, it ended up being a band with like 13 people and... Mm-hmm you know, a whole other thing, but it's true. None of that would have happened if I hadn't have made this little cassette, you know? Yeah. And, Um, and you, so I spent last, so what happened again, just to clarify, and I've, I've, I've uh, contextualized this in the introduction. So forgive me listeners for repeating this, but you know, Ephraim's here now. So let me try to explain what happened. And in recent weeks, somehow, some way the cassette uh, that has long been um, this object of mystery and desire among Godspeed fans. Somebody has digitized it purportedly and up and uploaded it to YouTube. So now there's like a YouTube link, and I wasn't going to listen to it out of respect almost. Like this seems, uh, I don't know, like thievery or something. This seems like private information that I'm not supposed to have. However... I was reading my book last night and thinking about the fact that we were going to have our conversation. So I had it on on my on my phone, you know. I had the YouTube playing and I looked at the description and the person has done a very thorough job of the YouTube thing where you can separate the tracks and you can skip it. It's like you can just it's like a playlist basically. And so I'm listening to it. I, I, the last time you and I spoke, Ephraim, just, just to prepare for this, you had said you hadn't actually listened to what this person had done. Is that still the case, or did you actually access that YouTube link? I listened to the first 10 seconds long enough to realize, okay, yeah, this is it. And then okay. I have... So now you know... Now I know right. it's okay. it, you know. And then I have, years ago, the record label pointed out, like, you know, I know you're not going to do anything with this, but you should digitize it at least so that there's a, it's archived. So I have a CDR with it. And so I listened to that 
for myself too to remember what you know what is the you know right. it's funny when you spend a long time working on something even if it's 30 years later i remembered most of it right you know there were a couple of moments that i was like oh well you're you were how old this is 94 roughly right 93 i think okay um, so you're you're younger. Yeah, I was <laughs> Suffice a, to say you're <laughs> I was a baby, you know. <laughs> and you were was this your first real expression, would you say? Like did you make other music before this? No, yeah, I mean I'd been in like uh punk bands or whatever and yeah, stuff like that, but and that's sort of what I was fed up with. Again, it's getting to the gestural stuff, you know? Like it it yeah. it it just Oh god, we could talk too long about this but suffice it you know like the end of the 80s or whatever uh hardcore sort of you know like everything just became aggro bros you know and it was yep. like fighting the good fight to like not be an aggro bro and be part of that scene but mm-hmm. at a certain point it, that gets tired too you know and uh yeah it's, so, it's yeah, definitely anyway. it's like reactionary music to what was going on at the time to a to a pretty high degree like you totally. were Expressing yourself as... Uh, so what I was getting at, though, is I'm listening to the thing for the first time last night, not knowing if it's legitimate based on a conversation you and you and I had a few days ago. And I think, uh, oh, no, this is Ephraim. Like, I, I can hear this now. But they're singing. Uh, there's uh, emotive singing. And I mean, this is stuff we've come to, come to know from you from at least Silver Mount Zion and your own expression. But Godspeed... There are elements of Godspeed, if you will, but it, I'm like, oh, okay, this is Ephraim. This is baby Ephraim. So the questions I have are twofold. I mean, obviously, you reached out to me because you wanted to talk about this and, and clarify some things or what have you. So it got to you on an emotional level that someone did this, that someone took the time to unearth this thing from your past and put it up. So I imagine you have feelings about that that I want to know about. But I also wonder about revisiting it. Like, what does this conjure for you? You've kind of alluded to it. You've kind of alluded to the fact that it brings you back to a time that was pretty problematic for you and for culture. But I'm wondering about those two feelings. One, like, I can't believe someone did this. And also, oh, someone did this. And what does this say about me? Can you speak to those two emotions, if possible? I'll speak to the personal thing first i mean it's interesting because you know i this was 30 years ago and i guess for the last 20 years i've been answering questions about this fucking cassette you know and like often like whenever it would flame up because and i do want to talk about this too there's been like internet drama over the years that sort of has nothing to do with the band and i just want to clarify some of that stuff also, you know, Uh, anyways, but whenever it would come up, I would get sort of agitated. I would notice I was like getting Mm. not anxious, but like sort of, yeah, I guess a little anxious. And I, I don't know why that is. And then I was listening to it a couple of nights ago and I realized, I think it's because, yeah, it was like rough times for me then. You know what I mean? And and I think we all have this in our lives, you know, like rough times that have have never really been resolved. You know, there's mm-hmm. some some things that you just never get closure on, you know, whether it's other people's actions or circumstances or your own actions, you know. So I think because of what the gesture was of making this cassette, it, it resides right on that spot, yeah. you know, like it presses on that wound, you yeah. know, Yeah. which is, I think, part of the reason why, like, I, whenever the thought came up, you know, oh, well, maybe we should 
put this out, I would always, my reaction was like, no, I don't want to do that. You know? And, you know, I, I think also a lot of it was stubbornness on my part. Cause you know, and this is gets to the next part of your question. I don't want to waste anybody's time whining about the fucking internet, you know, cause yeah. we all know it, you know, but they're, and we're all used to it. You know, I don't lose any, sl- I'm not losing any sleep over this. I don't, lose sleep about that kind of stuff. We're all used to it. We're all, it's been, it's been uh, normalized, but there is something really fucked up about making a cassette for, you know, 12 of my friends uh, 30 years ago and 30 years later, it ends up on YouTube. You know, I'm happy that people are listening to it in whatever form they want to listen to it in. I just need to be clear about that. I don't have any resentment, towards people who are listening to it. I don't, yeah, have at it, you know? But yeah, there are these, you know, and I think we all have them. There are these moments where what's become normalized, all of a sudden you realize how how odd and malicious, you know, the internet is as a force in our lives, you know? So like over the years, when people would ask me about the cassette or moments where people would announce that it had leaked or whatever, it would come in my head as like, oh, I, I guess at some point I need to get ahead of this because it's going to come out at, at some point, you know, as if you're dealing with the mob and like, you know, blackmail or something, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, I need to take an action because it's going to come out anyways. And then I would always shut down. It's like, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to negotiate with that logic, you know? Um, but that logic is still there and it's a little, I mean, it's kind of crazy, you know, permanence of anyways, permanence of the internet means that the public, a lot of, I've, I've talked about this with guests all the time. Like I do it, you've done it for 30 years, learning in public should be (laughs) something you're permitted to do. And something where if you've moved on from a way of doing things because you've improved or that's not your 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 jam anymore you should be allowed to do that but the internet has created this permanence around our past and the mistakes are of different scales like it could be like i didn't know how to tune a guitar that's different than i said a whole bunch of problematic fucking shit i get that and i I get why people would like want to gotcha about certain things but i get the impression you feel like this is a little bit of a gotcha like a tape you made on such, a, and I'm not saying this in a defensive way or that you're being defensive about it. Because I was the other thing I was going to say is I was listening to it. Frankly, I think you should be proud. It's great. Like I mean, I enjoyed listening to it. It was hard. I could hear your emotion. I could hear the feeling of it. But and I mean, on some level, I'm like, is this really Godspeed? You know what I mean? Like I know it's Ephraim, but is this Godspeed? I had that thought as I was paying attention to it in my book at the same time, but. But I think it's really cool and sounds neat, and I I was happy to hear it on that level. But I also am like uh, icky because I'm, I'm not supposed to be hearing this anyway. All this to say, I think I, I think you were going to interject when I said uh, something about the uh, the internet's uh, permanence there, or or whether that's something to, uh, mistakes are worth uh, moving on from. Is is that where you were going to come in? No, I, I mean, I just wanted, like, I don't feel like the cassette was a mistake. I don't feel embarrassed yeah. by it. I don't, you know, it's just, it's, it's, I mean, if I, if I was younger than I am and I had made the same gesture five years ago and been a 22 year old dude, you know, I would have just put it on SoundCloud. Yes, exactly. You know? So yeah. it's like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I'm not 
confused about any of that, you know? It's just... It, it, you brought up another point, which is like, it's not Godspeed, you know? Yeah. And it feels disrespectful to my friends who I've played music with for almost 30 years to be presenting this thing that was just me in a tiny room, you know, in a five and a half apartment in Montreal when Montreal was still a livable city, you know? So yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's all to present this thing. There was like this burden of context that I, you know, that I just wasn't, you know, interested in doing, you know? Mm. And so that's the weird thing. And now it's out, out there and, you know, I'm talking to you about it right now and I guess that'll be enough, you know, like, I don't know why the burden felt bigger than the actual labor, you know? Well, have you, uh, content, like, I feel like you've, you've, you've digitized it. How Mm -hmm. close have you come to being like, you know what? People clamor for this. We live in this discogs age where if someone comes upon this tape, they'll sell it for a thousand dollars. Uh, yeah. you know, and, uh, so have you, have you come close? What's the closest you've come to being like, you know what, just to satisfy everyone's curiosity. Like I know what it is. I, I have peace. I'm, I'm at peace with it. I know it's not Godspeed, but I called it Godspeed. I'm just going to put this out. How close have you come to this? Like mastering it, doing all that stuff, like actually making it an official release. Well, last year I was thinking about doing it and putting it on Bandcamp, uh, you know, and giving the money to, uh, you know, like a charity, mm-hmm. you know, not uh, not profiting from it just to end it once and for all. Because that's the other thing about this is for, you know, 20, at least 20 years now, I've, I've been answering questions about this fucking cassette and being honest, you know, like, look, it's not the Godspeed, you know, you're not going to like it. Yes, I have a copy. I'm not going to put it out. Many other people have copies. It's going to end up on the internet someday. But somehow, the story of the mysterious Godspeed cassette, people were more into that than the actual truth, you know? And that's weird and kind of boring, you know? So I think, like, and that's the other thing is, like, it, in Godspeed, we spend a lot of time trying to demystify things because this idea of mystification is kind of problematic. You know, there's a, there's a fine line between like, you know, being private and humble. There's a fine line between that and like somehow presenting, you know, yourself as, uh, you know, an enigma or a mystery. Right. And Godspeed's always been kind of saddled with a lot of bullshit around mystification and mystery, you know, even though like all the decisions we've made that have sort of fed into that have mostly been about not wanting to engage with, with systems that we didn't trust, you know? So like not talking much and, you know, like the, the way we present ourselves and all the rest, you know, but so we're conscious of it. So, you know, like on a personal level, like before, after a show, you can find half the band is walking around and you'll, you know, we'll talk to anybody, you know, whenever we do interviews, we work really hard to like, you know, demystify everything, you know? So yeah, that was the other thing that got up my ass was that, you know, somehow the, the mystery of this cassette became a bigger story than the boring reality of what the cassette was and how it got made. I mean, it's, it's not boring to me, but it's, it's boring in comparison to this, you know, fabled Holy grail, you know, uh, super rare, like thing, you know? 
Well, you and I have talked about this numerous times now, and I've expressed to you that I, what people see as self-serious enigma, I see as uh, fun. You know, fun with art, fun with typography, fun with how you present yourself. Like, let's let's fuck with everyone a little bit, but also understand that this is fuckery a little bit. Like, we're having fun. Like, it's fun to do stuff with your art that mystifies people a little bit. But you're right. And I think you're vaguely acknowledging the fact that you have some part to play in in creating things that aren't clear, but that has the uh, adverse effect of people now thinking everything's a clue. Yeah, everything totally. <laughs> Everything's yeah, yeah, yeah. part of some conspiracy or something. So the mysterious tape, which, you know, was a, to me it just seems like someone's first expression – Probably one of your first times learning how to record yourself, even, I'm guessing? Uh, no, I mean, I had done some stuff before that. But yeah, no, kind of. You know, it's the yeah, longest like just, I ever spent. But it's exploratory. It's an experiment for yourself. And like you said, the context was like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Which suggests the kind of like, I don't even care. Not that you didn't care. You put some time and effort into all of it. I can tell the art and everything. But a kind of feeling like, yeah, I wash my hands of this enterprise music. I'm done. And then now that gesture has now had the opposite effect of people reading into it and thinking it's very significant. And and now it's here again. So I I just want to say I empathize with your position and I can see your the conflict you have and wanting to address it which maybe makes it even bigger I don't know what people are going to make of what you're saying right now you know like I don't know either. I mean it's yeah. just context you know people can take it or leave it people can you know listen to it with whatever context they want I just I just wanted to take a you know a handful of minutes to talk about my own context I guess you <laughs> no know? no not I appreciate that. Not to get too Columbo about it, and for those who are too young to know, Columbo was like a TV private eye guy. Uh, dogged. Remember how dogged Columbo was? Yeah, do you remember Columbo? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, he was, he was very dogged. Anyway, do you have a sense of who did this? Who put it up? Like, do you have a sense of the source yet? No, I don't. I mean, you know, I know like at least six of the copies that I gave to friends ended up getting, you know, uh, it ended up disappearing like roommates would grab it or you know oh, okay so no i don't and i don't care like it's not there's no yeah. there's no moral element to this story you know and that's the other thing i want to say it's like i get weird emails from people i don't i spend zero time on the internet looking at anything related to the bands i'm in or or me personally because yeah. that shit's just toxic but i get emails from people no one in the band, there was some guy who was going to upload it three or four years ago. No one in the band has ever spoken to anyone. About, we don't talk about this cassette at all. We don't, there's, there's like weird people on the internet pretending that they know us and, you know, profess, you know, talking about how upset we are, but all, all of that's bullshit. You know, like right. we don't, I'm not upset. Nobody's, you know, it's, it is what it is, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. I just, yeah, I, I, I hear you. And it's, it's it's a weird thing. So, I you know, I was talking to uh, my friend Chad Van Galen yesterday. Mm-hmm. And we were t- I was talk- talking to him about this situation. And he said, oh, dude, you have no idea. There was a guy in Australia. I He did the same thing. He, in his early expression, had all these tapes. And he, though, says they're awful. 
I would not. If you get one, he said, if you get one of those tapes, snap it in half. I hate it. And he contacted this fellow in Australia. He figured out who was doing it mm-hmm. and said, please, just take it down. I'll do whatever you need to do. Just please. And he did. So that's why I ask. Like, but you, it doesn't sound like you're at that place. You're, you've accepted. You seem to have accepted that it's out in this way. I don't know that you answered. You did answer my question, but let's just get to it. Do you? Does this precipitate you doing anything further with your uh, copy of it, mastered, like the proper copy you have of it, the digitized mastered copy? Does this suggest you might be like, okay, it's out now. I am going to do the Bandcamp thing. I am going to make it a, 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 a charity a release or something, a benefit release. Are you closer to that? Making that yeah, move? I, I'll, I, yes, I think I will do that just at least to, yeah, you know. Yeah, I think, I think, I think it would be a good thing. I, you know, it would, it would sound better too and stuff. And, you know, if the money was going to something good instead of, you know, fucking YouTube. I know like a lot of people have torrented and that stuff too, and that's a whole different thing and that's cool and yeah. great. You know, the YouTube thing is just, you know, it's fucking YouTube, right? You know, I know it's not like making YouTube rich or whatever, but it's still, you know, YouTube is not a, not a good force in this world. Um, but no, uh, no, and it gives you some measure of control over your own story. I would think I'm, I'm not, and I'm not suggesting that this is a, uh, that's where your motivation is. But I assume like if you made something, you should feel like you have ownership over it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, that, but that's what I was trying to say before. I mean, like we're all used to it and I don't want, you know, I don't want to lecture about the internet. I mean, that's boring. We all fucking know it, you know? Yeah. But yeah, it is strange. It's like that. That's just, you know, that my own thinking has been like, well, it's going to get out there because it's the fucking internet, you know, like, and, and, yeah, we've accepted. We've accepted that. We've accepted yeah. that it's going to get out there because it's the internet, and that's one of your major issues with this whole, whether it was you or not. Whether it was the issue, you is, or, issue yeah. is too strong a word. I just, I, you know, okay. like, I mean, I'm not like, yeah, I'm not. It's all good. It's all okay. It's all fine. You know, yeah. like, I just, yeah, I guess it's like what I said at the beginning of this conversation. I guess this is the release cycle for this. Godspeed, <laughs> this is the this is the promo video yeah. for what might be a Bandcamp release uh, at some point. Okay, do you have a timeline so, on that part yet, or are you? Just no, well, I mean, this is the boring stuff. I got to figure. You know, I have to uh, figure out how to do that because the Godspeed stuff that's on Bandcamp is through the label and blah 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 blah. You know, like I don't, I don't administer Godspeed's Bandcamp stuff. You know, so there's like some head scratching there is there yeah. i i understand what you're what we've we've already established this is not really godspeed but yeah. it is also the first expression you had so there's something probably telling about that that you called the project godspeed and then as you continued in 90 and when you put out your first record you're like this is part of this trajectory i'm here moya moro this is godspeed so ensemble is there any conversation with constellation about like it's canon this is part of the discography everything else has been through us should we just do this a run of it i mean it's a what i saw was an hour and eight minutes so you're talking double vinyl <laughs> yeah i know right <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know if you want to go to that degree however chipped on sleeve and, yeah. <laughs> no have you had talks with ian and don about something 
I mean, it's it's come up over the years, but nothing serious. You know, like I said, because I've always had this block. It's it's always yeah. You know, like you know, if you're walking a dog and you pull the collar a little too hard and they dig their their paws into the ground, I've always felt like that a little about this thing. It's like, yeah, yeah I'll figure it out on my own time, you know. Yeah. And that might have taken me another thirty years, you know, and I might have, you know, who the fuck knows? But it was always like I don't ever want to think about this based on external bullshit, you know, yeah. or or internet clamor, you know. I don't know. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't, I, I, yeah. I'll figure out how to get it out there. It's just I need to have some very boring conversations. <laughs> you know? uh, I alluded earlier to your sense of humor, and the the tape is called All Lights Fucked on the Harry Amp Drooling. Yeah. Can we unpack that just a little bit? I know you have fun with words, language, expression, phrases, but that's a particularly vivid and funny thing. It almost... Uh, it's like a crass Muppet imagery to me or something. What's going on? Where did that come from, that, that, that turn of phrase? I don't know where it came from. I mean, it was like, like in Montreal, you know, we call them five and a half. What is that, a two-bedroom apartment? I don't know. Uh-huh. I was living in a, a five and a half. And in Montreal, five and a half, and anyone who's lived here knows this. There's always this room in the front that's too small. Like there's not really anything you can do with it. Yeah. You know, it's usually yeah. under this, if, if you have interior stairs going to the second floor apartment, it's blocked off by that. Anyways, it's like a weird room. And so I just had a little table, the four track. I had a space echo because a friend of a friend had given it to me because at the time they were worthless. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I had a space echo, this little shitty block amp. And, you know, I never, unpatched everything so all the cables were sort of knotted around each other you know like you have to pick up the guitar patch cable to get the headphones that's twirled around it was that kind of scene yeah it was just a glorious ugly shitty pile of cables and buzz and hum and i don't know it that's what it felt like (laughs) to me you know like just that it was all fucked and the sound that came out of it was like you know like (laughs) it felt like yeah like a a a glorious accidental machine and the title came from that you know okay so it's like yeah i think i don't know it's a lot of years no i know and i I appreciate a bit of the memory jog i'm gonna put one more thing one more thing to you uh and i don't know what you'll make of it but Let's let's try it. So this is a your basically your one of your earliest expressions, earliest recordings. Uh, those who have listened to it can probably hear where Godspeed might have come from. But I think because they're of the vocals and the uh, the lyrics and the emotional quality of the singing, I think we can also hear where Silver Mount Zion, where your solo material, other collaborations may have come from. So I, what I'm getting at is. Is it possible that this Godspeed tape, because it's more of a melange of the styles that you ended up exploring, this is to me a core exercise. Like this is a lot of what you wanted to do with music coming out in one blast. And then as the decades went on, you were able to home in on them. I'm being way too precise about this. I'm sure it was happenstance. But do you see where I'm coming from? Like on some level, this is really a core expression of yours in an in a prototypical state does that make sense on any level i guess so i mean i don't really i mean i will say when i listened to it the other night i was like oh shit i'm you know i've been talking about the same shit since i was exactly you know, there's consistency 20, yeah 
too, you know, and that's surprising, you know, and using the same words uh, uh, that was kind of, yeah, I don't know, alarming, but uh, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I will say like at the time, because I want my personal, you know, I left home when I was 17. I had these sort of heavy, uh, very sketchy years, you know, Mm. Um, and then I moved to Montreal to go to school as a mature student. And the one thing of going to university, it was like, I was open up. It was like the, the biggest key it gave me was that if you had a clear frame, like a clear concept that that was a good place to start. Cause then you could just fill that frame. And if the frame made sense, you know what I mean? What you put inside would have intrinsic meaning based on the strength of the frame. I mean, it's conceptualism basically, you know, yeah. and that's where this, you know, my tiny gesture of like, well, I'm going to quit music. I might as well, you know, I'm going to make this cassette and I'm here. Are the, here's what the rules are going to be. I'm going to like come home from the bar and do the first take. Then the next day I'm going to try to turn it into a song and that's going to be my process, you know, like, so there was something at the time, but at the same time when I was like uh, 18 years old, I was like in a punk band called bottle toke for four months where the songs were all instrumental and the song titles were literally just notes. So if the song was called G, we would display a G chord for eight minutes, you know? So, I mean, you know, like, I don't know. It's like, I've always liked stuff like that, you know, like just, yeah. I mean, it's curious, it's curious to me that when you just, you alluded to the fact that, uh, when you listen to this tape and you're talking about this band, uh, that you knew yourself, it seems to me, like you said, I, I'm a little alarmed. It's a little disturbing that I'm saying the same things now that I said when I was uh, in my 20s or uh, singing maybe the same way. Like I said, I knew it was you. I was like, oh, okay, that's that's Ephraim's voice. I can hear it. I can hear his attack. I can hear his sort of sardonic demeanor even sometimes. Uh, but to me, I would be, if I were you, I would be like, oh, I am a product of the my convictions i'm the same like uh, you you want to evolve and you want to adapt but on some level i think artistically it's pretty amazing to me from my perspective that you see in yourself the same person like you were kind of you knew yourself a little bit as damaged as you might have been as hard as it might have been do you see that like i knew who i was even in the 20s and i i've maintained a consistency of spirit since then on some level that's good yeah i mean i don't know i mean it's I, I can see it as a good thing i can see it as a bad thing i mean you know i don't know i mean the fact is that my material circumstances haven't changed a super lot since then you know like uh so i feel like a lot of the consistency is being angry at the same thing yes you know yeah. like and you know, those sketchy years after I left home, that was oh, most of my politics come from that, you know, like come from being at the, you know, at the receiving end of, you know, the type of marginalization that abject poverty yes. yeah. engenders, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, you know, when you're in those situations, you realize what the solution is to your malaise is solidarity mutual aid help those are those are what you need in the moment and what you need beyond that is structural change you know so i mean nothing in my life has changed from there till now you know things would be more complicated if you know 
if I was in a band that was, you know, playing arena tours or whatever, you know, if I was a wealthy man, I imagine things would get a little confused and confusing. You know, I I would like, I would hope that they wouldn't, you know, but, uh, but the fact is, you know, like, yeah, that isn't the case. And, you know, I still, yeah, I still believe the same stuff I believed when I was 17. You know, I mean, there's some refinements, I mean, when I listen to the cassette, there's definitely like a level of self-loathing that I, you know, I don't think is super cool. And, you know, there's shit like that. I don't know. But you also knew enough even then to try to process some of those feelings and self-loathing through art. Like that's to I guess. I mean, healthier. I I don't know if that's healthy. I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist or whatever, but on some level, that's how we... I think that's some, again. I don't know if it's actually helpful, but I know a lot of people deal with their traumas and their pain through their work. And you saw that then that this could be an outlet to at least express it to yourself. I think. I don't know. Like, have you ever tried to build a bookshelf or something like that? You know, like you're like, I'm going to do this. Pro- I don't really know what the fuck I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know. I'm going to go to the hardware store. I'm going to, you know, measure the wood. And if you don't know what you're doing, it's the first time you do it. Yeah. You don't, you know. So I feel like I was going at it like that. It's like, I don't really know how to do any of this shit, you know, but I'm going to do it, you know. And I think that was the, the you know, that that and the, the rules I had set for myself in terms of how it was going to be made. That's all I really knew. Yeah. Can I tell a story about that apartment, though? Because it's a really good story. Yes, and please it kind of do. It's what we're talking about. So, like... uh I don't know, like a year after I recorded that cassette, my friend Zoe uh, was pregnant and her boyfriend at the time moved into this five and a half. You know, I was sort of stuck with this five and a half and I was always having to find roommates. So he moved in and I came home one day. It was like middle of summer, super, super hot. And Zoe was super pregnant and she was in the front yard that had been, you know, whatever it was a yard that no one had ever cared about Mm -hmm. for decades. It felt like, you know, and she was planting stuff in there and she was like hot and cranky. And I was like, Zoe, what the fuck are you doing? She's like, (laughs) I'm planting corn. I was like, Zoe, corn is not going to grow in this fucking yard. Like, what are you talking about? So I don't know how many years later, like eight years later, a long time later, I was out one night, and walking home, I was like, I'm just going to, you know, do you ever walk by old places oh, yeah. you live? Sure, of course. You know, like yeah. you take, I was like, I'm going to walk by that place and have some memories or whatever, you know. And I walked by the place. It was late summer, early fall. I walked by the place and there was fucking stalks of corn <laughs> growing in the front yard. I don't know how long they had been there, but like fucking Zoe's corn fucking grew, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's the biggest thing. One of the biggest things I remember about that. Well, listen, I, um, I appreciate, uh, first of all, I appreciate you reaching out to me to want to talk about this and, uh, I hope it, uh, illuminates things for those who are curious and I know there are some, um, before we get to kind of current affairs plans for Godspeed, as much as you can have plans in this day and age, I want to get to that. But just to give you the floor, is there anything more? We've said a lot. Is there anything more you want to say to anyone who's curious about, this tape, I think we've, like I say, we've talked about it quite a bit, but is there anything final statement you want to say about it? No, I just want to say it's like, okay, for people to listen to it, however they're going to listen to it. Yeah, 
everything's everything's okay you know <laughs> okay. fine good i appreciate that and i i'm glad to hear you say that um so yeah business at hand uh it is uh february 2022 what are godspeed's plans uh for the year and i say that almost air quotey but what do you what do you hope to what are you supposed to be doing in the in the coming year or years we're supposed to go on tour on the 24th of this month in the USA and then come home for a couple of weeks and then go on tour in the USA again. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming that those will happen. I don't know if they should happen, but I think they are happening. Okay. Um, and yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. And we'll see what that feels like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine it on some level uh as a performer i haven't even been a patron if you will like i i don't know but i i'm you know hopefully it's fine let's hope it's fine i I don't know why i'm so doom and gloom about it i'm just i guess because it has been very doom and gloomy and nothing seems good on that level but i think it's normal to be pessimistic about it Uh, but i feel sheepish saying it out loud to you you know what i'm saying yeah 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 no totally i mean it's uh, yeah i don't know that's a whole big talk i will say you know, uh, we need to fix our healthcare system and these years of austerity need to end, you know, like yeah. that's the, the, that's the biggest lesson from this, you know, is like all the structural problems that were there before and have been there for years. Like everything has fallen apart because of that. Yeah. Because, you know, a bunch of suckers have been sold a bill of goods and, you know, and we all got to pay the fucking price. You know, yeah. there was, there was an idea that, that no one would ever have to pay the price. And clearly that was bullshit, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, like we're, we're going to enter these years and there's going to be real heavy decisions, you know, to be made. And, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know there, there's a lot of, a lot of talking and figuring out and a lot of yelling that we got to do, you know, because there's, uh, the future has to be better than this, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, your colleague, uh, your friend and my friend, uh, your colleague at Hotel Tatango Studios, uh, Rodwan, was on the show recently, and it sounded like he was busy um, with some session work uh, beyond uh, working on Jerusalem and my heart stuff. Have you been busy as uh, an engineer producer? Uh, have you been working on recording your own material in any capacity? No, I, I mean, in the last few months, no, I haven't been, I mean, yeah, I've been doing stuff at home, but I don't know to what end, you know, like, uh, oh, okay. you know, I don't know. It's been, uh, it's been weird, you know, it's been weird. Yeah, absolutely. It has been weird. Yes. No, no, that's an understatement, probably. Okay, just checking in. Yeah, uh, I know everyone's, I know some of us, including myself, try to do work just to uh, stave off despair and uh as best we can um so that's what i was checking in on so i appreciate that okay well uh for information about uh godspeed proper i guess people go to cst records or youtube just go to youtube all the information (laughs) is on fucking youtube you know google i'm saying that now that's the primary source (laughs) if it's not on fucking youtube that's like none of the citations make sense it's uh, illegitimate is there uh normally we go out on music by my guests and i don't know how to do this because we're not we've had a conversation about something that isn't out so but is there anything in the godspeed catalog that you feel i can hear the through line 
between what we what I did. No, you're shaking your head. So there's nothing. No, not really, man. You know, I mean, it was like the 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 thing that came out of the cassette that went into the band was this idea of you know a strong frame and fill the frame. You know, like that's that's that was that was the thing. You know, but it was you know when we all get together in a room, it's a totally different sound. You know, than uh, than the other stuff. You know, but if you're gonna play something from the cassette. At the very beginning of the cassette, there's like a sort of string loop and then vocal samples from an Evil Knievel record mm-hmm. where he's talking about a lot of vainglorious stuff. But then the very last line he says is, I've always admired the Jewish people for their business sense. And yeah. that's still one of the funniest fucking things in the world. <laughs> like, I'm very proud of that little thing, like with all the glorious strings and all the like, you know spiritualism and all this other fucking crazy, you know, Benzo Quaalude insanity that he's spouting. I just love the little casual anti-Semitism and just as a punchline right at the end. So, yeah. Okay. We let's, let's do that. We'll play this, uh, bootleg version of, of this. Do you remember what that piece is called off the top of your head? I don't have it in front of me. Do you know? It's the very first thing. It's the very, the whole cassette starts with that. Yeah, no, I just wondered if it had a name, but that's okay. Oh, I, drifting I, intro open? I don't know. Maybe let's, it's called let's that. Assu- I'll correct the record after, but let's, let's okay, yeah. so this is, let's just play it. Let's, let's do it. All right, cool. Early Ephraim Manuk or Godspeed You Black Emperor and <laughs> yeah. uh, happy to play it. Ephraim, uh, always a joy to have you on the show and to spend time with you. So thank you for this and yeah, I wish you the best you, of luck with everything. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Take care. There has been no test because there is no use practicing something you cannot miss. This is what you call a one-shot deal, and I'm not coming back for any late show, honey. I'm going to do it one time. Live fast, die young, and be a good-looking corpse. Live fast, Live fast die, die young, and be a good-looking corpse. Yeah. Well, it depends on how you look at life after death. If a guy thinks his soul transfers to the beyond in the same form and shape that he might be when he dies. Who the hell want to live to be 90? Always admired the Jewish people for the business sense. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh. 
Thanks again to Ephraim Anuk for thinking of me for this conversation about this uh, long-lost Godspeed to Black Emperor tape. By the way, so since we've had this conversation, and as you can, I, I hope you can tell by the episode description, the tape is out on Bandcamp, at least for now. They made a decision, uh, Ephraim and Godspeed and Constellation, to actually do what Ephraim and I discussed he might do. And so as of right now, you can access this first Godspeed tape. So check out the links in the podcast description. It should take you right to the Bandcamp. And uh, what can I say? I feel honored and, and happy and pleased to have this long relationship with Ephraim and Constellation and... It's just nice. And uh, once again, Ephraim, thank you for being on this, the 667th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, For those of you listening there, uh, if you can't find an episode you're looking for, if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like and follow Creative Control on Facebook. You can follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative. Or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram at Vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast. $6 or more a month grants you access to exclusive content uh, that I put up there. It's Sometimes it's from the archives, my audio archives that predate this show. Sometimes it's bonus material from fresh episodes. A little bit of a mix of all sorts of things. But again, $6 or more grants you access to that content. And if you do that, I'll, please also send me a note. If, you'll, if you'd like a Creative Control t-shirt, just message me on Patreon and I'll get you one while supplies last. Once again, though, it doesn't have to be $6. If you'd like to do a dollar, $2, anything up to 6 or more. Some people do more. It's whatever you want and you can change it every month. So again, check it out. Patreon.com slash Creative Control. Uh, other than some meager advertising dollars that's my main way of generating any income from doing all of this work for the show so i hope you enjoy the free version and i hope you check out the exclusive content at patreon.com slash creative control thanks again to the fine alberta record retailer blackbird music which you can learn more about uh, at their website blackbird.ca again that store located in edmonton in calgary alberta also want to thank uh, pizza trocadero the bookshelf and planet bean coffee respectively they're located in guelph ontario and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to my friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music of his on the program. He's got some new releases out, so go to his website, jimguthrie.org, for more info about Jim. And finally, thank you for listening to this episode with uh, Ephraim about Godspeed, You Black Emperor, and for potentially subscribing to this podcast or following it or whatever you need to do, and asking your friends to do the same. Just spread the word about the show if you can, please, if you like it. And otherwise, that's it. I will talk to you very soon. Very soon. There's so many episodes of this show coming up. It's bonkers. Anyway, talk to you soon. Bye for now. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 